Hi, and welcome to the Northridge Vineyard Evening Community Podcast. We're a church community in Sydney, Australia, who are passionate about pursuing God together and seeing the world changed by His love. We hope this message challenges and inspires you. For more talks and other resources, please visit our website, www.northridge.org.au. So we are in the midst of a series uh, looking at Jesus as he's portrayed in the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark. Um, and we've decided to do this because as Christians, the person of Jesus is so foundational to everything that we, we believe. Who he is, the things he says, the things he does, all of, our, all of that is really the bedrock of our faith. And so it's really good being able to have some time to really get reacquainted with him or perhaps acquainted with him for the first time. So that's what we're doing. That's the motivation. And each week we are looking at kind of a different facet of Jesus as Mark portrays him. Uh, A bit like looking at all the different faces of a diamond, you finish up with this beautiful radiant gem of Jesus. and one facet at a time. So this week's facet that we're looking at is Jesus the teacher. Jesus the teacher. Now, close your eyes for a sec and um, just conjure up an image in your mind of what Jesus the teacher might look like for you. Perhaps it's kind of this watercolour image, this dude with longish hair and weird clothes, and there are, he's sitting under a tree and there are little kids gathered around him and he's telling them interesting stories, kind of like Sunday school. Or maybe he's someone that's wandering along out the countryside by a lake um, and teaching people that come his way how to live a good moral life, how to be the, the best people that they can be. And that's very much the image of Jesus the teacher that is portrayed in kind of in Western society and in Sunday school often. It's the Jesus that many of us have grown up with. But when you spend time reading through Mark, that isn't actually the Jesus that you meet. So I want to spend a bit of time today really delving into what Jesus the teacher looks like according to the Gospels, according to the Bible. Oh, I'm sounding better now. I was a bit weird a minute ago. Okay. Yeah, I'm very boomy. I can't talk quieter. I'm a teacher. It's just the way it is. Okay. So the Jesus that we see in Mark um, and throughout the Bible is not what we expect sometimes. He's not bringing a tame message of morality. He is divisive, he's challenging, he's threatening even at times, but he's also thrilling. So that's the Jesus we want to explore today. Jesus knew that he was standing on the threshold of this amazing pivot point in history. He knew that events that were about to unfold in the next couple of years were going to change the world forever. And so whenever Jesus was teaching, he was trying to explain that reality. 
weird things went on around Jesus. He did weird things. We're going to see some of them tonight. But all of it went back to this pivot point, this new beginning that Jesus is ushering in. And Chris talked about this a little bit last week. And this new era we call the kingdom of God. Um, And it's when God comes and takes his rightful place as the ruler and king of the universe. And this is what's happening when Jesus comes to earth. Um, At the beginning of Mark, we're told that Jesus went travelling around Galilee, which was a little part of Israel, um, and he was proclaiming the good news of God. The kingdom of God has come near, he was saying. So when we read Jesus' teachings, we need to read and think of it all with that in mind. So I've got a bit of a... um, visual aid that might help with this. I need a volunteer, though. Does someone want to volunteer? Oh, oh yes, Jen. I was a bit worried I was going to volunteer there for a minute. Okay, you need to come up here. Yeah, come up here with me, Jen. All right, so um, you may... This was a bit of a thing a few years ago. You know, you went to this a, a big event, like a wedding or a school reunion or something. Oh, my prop's falling apart. Um... And someone would come along with a, a, a big picture frame, you know? And then you'd take selfies with all your friends, you know, in here, like this. Can someone take a picture for me? I need a picture of this. <laughs> oh, thanks, Bonnie. Here we go. Yay! Okay. So, um, and so, now, this is great. I now have photoco- photographic evidence that I've just been to my 10-year reunion. I'm suddenly a lot younger. Thank you, thank you Jen. That's beautiful. Um, and so, we did this because you, you wanted to be able to look back at your, your selfie photos and remember good times with your friends, but in the context of being at your 10-year school reunion. And so... All those memories were framed in that context of where you were. So what I'm wanting us to do tonight is to look at all of Jesus' teachings in the frame of the kingdom of God. So there it is. I'm going to leave that down here for now. Is that going to work? There we are. Hopefully the slime won't fall off. Okay. So as we are going through and looking at Jesus' words, I want us to use that frame, bearing in mind that everything that Jesus taught really came back to this context of the kingdom of God. We're going to spend a bit of time in Mark chapter 4, jumping around and looking at uh, several things that Jesus said there. Uh, but I feel as though I need to set the scene a little bit first uh, to go through what happened in Mark chapters 1 to 3 because quite a lot's gone on. So my 30-second whistle-stop tour of the first three chapters of Mark are... um, I've already mentioned to you that uh, Jesus was wandering around Galilee, part of Israel, proclaiming the good news of God. The kingdom of God has come near, he was saying. 
So he was teaching in the synagogues, he was teaching in people's homes, he was teaching out in the countryside by a lake. Wherever he could find people, which he was finding a lot, he was teaching. He was also healing people. People were coming to him looking for healing, and he was healing them. And he was hanging out with the seedy folk in town. So when he came into a town, he didn't look for the people that had the nice glitzy houses and were, you know, the movers and shakers in society. He would seek out those who were on the outer, those who were the outcasts, and they were the ones he was spending time with. And Jesus also wasn't playing by the rules. He wasn't obeying all the strict laws that um, were set out by the Jewish leaders, particularly around the Sabbath, the holy day, and fasting. He, uh, he just wasn't obeying those rules. And so therefore, there were very diverse reactions to Jesus as a result of what had been going on with him and around him. He was drawing these huge crowds. If you read through those first three chapters of Mark yourself, you will be struck by the number of people that were thronging around Jesus. He really was being mobbed every time he went into a town. Some men even dug holes in the roof of a building so that they could reach Jesus. It's pretty full on. Jesus didn't even have time to eat, we're told. And into the midst of this chaotic scene, his family arrive. And they took one look around at the chaos. And their conclusion is, Jesus has gone mad. Only conclusion they could draw. And also, in this, in this scene, in this chaotic scene, there's a bunch of Jewish leaders. And their only conclusion that they can draw at the moment is that Jesus must be possessed. And so we have these huge range of responses. These responses are drawn out of people because Jesus is teaching this paradigm shift. He's not just teaching people to be nice to each other and to be the best person you can be, which is often how Jesus the teacher is portrayed in society in you know, in our Western society. He was proclaiming a paradigm shift, and that is why we have these huge, diverse reactions from extravagant excitement to total rejection. So, into this rather chaotic scene, Jesus starts teaching. And he's using strange stories that we call parables. And what he's doing is he's using these stories and these parables to try and explain to people around him what is going on, to try and explain this paradigm shift of the kingdom of God. Because it is such a radical message that just telling people the facts isn't going to convey it effectively. He needs to use some different ways. So... I'm going to read, uh, starting from Mark 4, verse 1. We're going to dip in and out of um, Mark a bit over while I'm talking. So if you've got a book, 
you know, the old-fashioned thing, or if you've got your phone or however you want to be reading, follow along. Uh, we have some spare Bibles over there if you want to grab one of those as well. All right, Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out, of, out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, whoever have, has ears to hear, let them hear. Right. Well, if I was Jesus at this particular point in time, that's probably not the keynote address that I would have presented. I mean, what's going on and what is he talking about? With suddenly, you know, there's all this chaos around him and he suddenly talks about farming. Who knows? Um, so, and I just want to do a bit of an aside here for a sec. Many of us have been sitting in church pews or church comfy seats in our case um, for a long time. And these stories are incredibly familiar to us. And you kind of, you've, you've read the interpretations and you've listened to probably multiple sermons about what they are. But I want you to step back for a minute and actually think about how the people that were listening to Jesus for the first time, hearing this for the first time, might have been trying to wrap their heads around it. So I want you to be in, in that seat rather than in, in the seat where you might more naturally go if you've heard this story before. Because really, if you haven't heard it before, it's, it's a little, it's, it's just out of left field, don't you think? And yeah, yeah, it's just out of left field. All right. So, remembering our picture frame down here, that all Jesus' teaching was based on the kingdom of God, and that was our fra his frame of reference and the paradigm shift he was trying to get people to step into. How is this related to the kingdom of God, is what we need to ask. And so what Jesus was doing in this parable is he was using it to explain what was happening around them. He was using this to explain how different people were reacting in different ways. And so as he's in this parable, the seed that's scattered is his message of this kingdom of God, this paradigm shift. And the different people are the different soils, right? And so everyone can, would be able to look around themselves potentially and see different soils or different people reacting in different ways. And they are the different soils. 
some fruitful, some not. So, but Im implicit in this parable is also an invitation to the listeners that were, there, that were there with Jesus. Do they want to be that fruitful soil that produces a crop? Or are they more likely to be the soil that produces nothing, that rejects the seed or strangles the seed? They had a choice. So let's have another look at a, another parable. I'm going back to Mark. I'm skipping ahead a bit. I'm in verse Mark 4, verses 30 to 34. Verse 30. Again, he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. Okay. So again, Jesus is using this parable to explain what's going on around him. Now, to understand where he's coming from, we need a little bit of, just a little bit of background. The Jews of Jesus' day were eagerly expecting God to send someone to save them. They were looking out for this mighty warrior who was going to ride into Jerusalem uh, raise an army and expel the Roman occupiers and then institute this glorious kingdom. And they called this great warrior that was going to come in the Messiah. So that's what they were looking for. But in this parable, he's teaching them that this long-awaited kingdom is here. He is the Messiah but he is nothing like what they were expecting. Everything's upside down and backwards. Just like the tiny mustard seed, the kingdom of God that Jesus is bringing starts small in the backwaters of Galilee and starts with this unassuming guy called Jesus, not a mighty warrior. And again, there's an implicit invitation to the listeners do you want to join in this kingdom, which is starting small and humbly, but it will grow into something magnificent, big and beautiful? So, these parables could have been confusing to quite a few people that were listening to them, right? They're not necessarily straightforward. Were they meant to be obscure? Was Jesus trying to confuse people? I wonder. Thankfully, we don't have to wonder too much because Jesus tells us. Back in Mark chapter 4, I'm skipping backwards now, going to verses 10 to 12. 
Jesus starts explaining why he teaches in parables. He says, When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Oh, wow. So is Jesus saying here that he's deliberately being obscure, that he's deliberately speaking in riddles to prevent those on the outside from understanding what's going on? Well, if we read ahead a bit, we can get an answer to that, thankfully. I'm now skipping down to verse 21. Sorry, I'm jumping all over Mark 4 today. (laughs) Um, So, Jesus said to them, Do you bring a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. So no, Jesus is here to bring things out into the open, to bring to light things that have been concealed. So this still is a little confusing. So I've got another analogy which might help. There's this guy called Professor Snodgrass. I know, he's like a Harry Potter character, that name, Professor Professor Snodgrass. But he is actually um, the probably preeminent Bible scholar on parables of Jesus. He's like got real cred. Um, And he he uses this analogy of the parables are like a work of art. So I've got another picture frame. This is a different picture frame because it's different to the other one I was using before. So, same prop, different message. Okay, so when I go to an art gallery uh, and, you know, you you look at the pictures on the wall. Thank you, Jen. Um, And, you know, you stare at the picture for a while and and you... try and figure out what the artist is trying to convey, their message and whatever. And sometimes it's straightforward if you're in a portrait gallery and it's just someone's picture. But sometimes you go to the Museum of Modern Art and then it's just confusing. You know, you don't see images like this. You see, like, an elbow. (laughs) And you spend ages staring at the elbow, thinking, what was that artist trying to convey in an elbow? I don't know. So at this point, you can just walk away from the elbow, shaking your head, thinking that artist was a bit of a fruitcake and who knows what they were trying to say. Or you can stare, ponder the elbow, look at it for a while, try and get inside the artist's head and and read the little blurb that's always, you know, written beside the the gallery, the picture that explains what was going on in the artist and what message he is trying to convey. And then suddenly, oh, that's really interesting. 
I never knew that, you know, elbows could represent the downfall of modern industrial society, but there it is. <laughs> and then it's this profound message that can move you to tears. Jesus' parables are like that. Not necessarily elbows, but you know what I mean. So... When we hear, or when, particularly when the first listeners of the parables heard a parable, they were left with some options. They could choose to stay confused, walk away, say, eh, Jesus is a bit of a fruitcake, eh, I'm going to move on. Or you could, or they could press in, they could go to Jesus, ask him what he meant, stay with him, seek to understand. And then they had this profound awakening. They joined with Jesus on that paradigm shift of knowing that the kingdom of God was at hand and the world was a different place. And so Jesus' listeners had the choice they could choose to harden their hearts and then the parables would make no sense to them. Or they could choose to seek the meaning, to seek Jesus' truth, and then they would find it. One thing you might have noticed that I haven't been doing as I've been talking about the parables is to apply it to you and me today. And I, I think... We are often too quick to do that when we read through parables. It's really, it's, it's a bit of a knee-jerk, certainly for me, to, uh, to want to find myself in the parable. But that isn't what Jesus was doing necessarily. Jesus, in the parables, almost always was teaching about the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean that it's not right to find ourselves in the parables and to see how it applies to me today, but make sure that you've first done the step of seeing how Jesus is portraying the kingdom of God, the message that he's trying to get across first before you try and situate yourself in there and say, oh, I think I'm the soil that maybe multiplied 60-fold? No, actually probably 30-fold. Or you know, and, and that guy that I met last week was definitely the one, the soil, you know, on the barren ground or whatever, you know. That's, that's not where we should go first when we look at parables. First of all, we need to look at how Jesus was teaching it and how the message that he was conveying at the time. One last thing I want to draw out of Mark chapter 4 that you might have noticed in several of the passages that I read, is that Jesus' teaching, it didn't happen in a vacuum. He poured his teaching and his life into those around him, particularly into his inner circle of 12 disciples, and then there was kind of an outer circle of other followers as well who followed him around, and he spent a lot of time with those people. Even though it was chaotic and busy and there were mobs of people following him, 
there were many times when Jesus withdrew and spent time with his inner circle of disciples to really explain to them what was going on, um, to answer their questions, to build relationship with them. And so Jesus was so much more than a teacher. He was a discipler. He wasn't about conveying information, even though the information he had was vitally important. He was about making disciples. And that involved time and it involved relationship. And so he chose to do that with with his precious disciples. So, how is Jesus asking you to respond to his good news today? I think there are a couple of things that um, Jesus might be asking of folks here. Perhaps he's wanting you to say yes to him for the first time. To say yes for the first time to to step into that paradigm shift, to allow him to be your king. Or maybe you just need to say yes again. I know I need to say yes to Jesus most days again because I get distracted and get sidetracked and lost. So saying yes again to partnering with him in bringing in the kingdom is a really powerful thing. I think there may be others of you here who, when I talked about the throngs around Jesus and that chaotic pace of life, you kind of slumped in your seat and said, oh, that's me. That was my week. It's been so busy and so chaotic. And I don't have time for anything. And Jesus is calling you. He's calling out and saying, come away, spend time with me. Just like I spent time with the disciples, I want to spend time with you. There is that invitation there. And if that is you, don't let that invitation pass you by. Take the time to stop and sit at your master's feet. There also may be some of you who are called to be discipling someone at the moment. There may be someone in your life, um, or a couple of people, who would really benefit from just coming alongside you, having a cup of coffee, and just learning from you, doing life with you. So perhaps uh, God's putting someone on your heart to really invest in. And perhaps you're on the other side of that table where you're at a point in your journey where you really want to be discipled by someone else. You really want to learn and grow in something. And so seek out someone who can disciple you, who can just do the journey of life with you and help you learn more of what it is to be a Jesus follower. Mm. 